Do better. Welcome to Do Better Podcast, a digital content hub from Asade, built for minds interested in doing better. Knowledge ideas, perspectives, and research insights on topics that matter. Business advice for better decisions and growth. Latest on the world of innovation and ideas. A look inside a global world beyond borders and an open view on social challenges. You can leave your comments and suggestions on dobetter.isade.edu. So here we are. Welcome to a new episode of the Do Better podcast series in which uh, we are pleased to have an exceptional guest to discuss some of the most important aspects of the current economic and political situation in the European Union. Yuriko Beix, Minister of Finance of Luxembourg, welcome to ESADE and thanks a lot for your time and willingness to participate in this podcast. Thank you so much for your invitation. Let me just briefly introduce you to the audience so they can understand why uh, it is such a privilege to have you here today in order to, to address these topics. In January 2022, Yuriko Beis joined the coalition government in Luxembourg as Minister of Finance, but before this, her professional career began in 1994 at the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, and since then she has held various positions, such as, for example, permanent representation of Luxembourg to the United Nations in New York, permanent representation of Luxembourg to the Western European Union in Brussels, and the Luxembourg Embassy in Japan. It is just a short summary with uh, some of the many professional milestones that you have reached through your extensive professional experience linked to politics and the diplomatic career. So, one we have this picture of yours clear, let's begin by discussing um, a very important topic for the current European society, which is the role of the European Union in addressing the global challenges that are happening in a new multipolar world. So I think the European Union has an extremely important uh, role to play in today's uh, context. Uh, you uh, referred to polycrisis. Uh, I think we have seen over, over the years uh, really many crises, one after the other. Some people uh, refer to it now also to permacrisis because it seems like we are in a permanent situation of, of crisis. Uh, maybe coming out of the uh, sovereign debt crisis or what we call the economic and financial crisis was one thing. We had uh, we had the pandemic. Uh, we also had terrorist uh, attacks uh, uh, across uh, across Europe. Sometimes we, we forget uh, that. Now we are uh, we had the pandemic. As I said, now we're in a war situation. Uh, we are approaching a hundred days war. Nobody would have thought that we would be in a war situation again in Europe. Uh, with all the uh, dramatic consequences that brings with it. But I think coming out of all of these uh, crises, uh, the role of uh, the European Union and working together really as a European Union is so fundamental. And out of every crisis, I think, the EU became stronger. Coming out of the economic crisis, we were able to put in place some institutions that today serve us also to deal uh, with the crisis. During the pandemic, first reactions were quite national. Uh, but we saw very quickly that uh, dealing with such problems on, on a European and here worldwide global scale, we cannot deal with these uh, problems nationally. It's just simply not possible. When we're thinking about climate change, uh, it's, uh, it's uh, still and must be on, on the top of our agenda. And the European Union is really a leader 
uh, also in addressing uh, climate change problems that uh, you know we have no planet B. We need to have the solutions now and we need to address them quickly, uh, putting in place everything we need to, to uh, fulfill also the Paris uh, agreements. So the role of the European Union in working together in unity to address these crises is extremely important. Now coming back to uh, to the war uh, situation as well, I think you were going to uh, ask <laughs> me probably sure. more more specific questions. Uh, we can we can also we can also uh, take them. But uh, but also here, I think the role of the European Union is fundamental. Never before uh, in history, I think, has uh, the EU so quickly reacted to this kind of a situation with the sanctions, successive sanctions uh, packages against uh, the Russian uh, aggressor. Uh, trying to uh, stop the war, um, cutting uh, Russia off uh, of international finance, uh, uh, financing uh, to finance uh, the war is one thing. Uh, we have uh, discussions about oil and gas embargoes. The sanctions perhaps go too far for some countries in the EU. They don't go far enough uh, for others, but we have put in place uh, really uh, quite quite tough sanctions, uh, never so quickly in history. And I think there we really see that the EU, together with international partners, um, be it the US, be it uh, also in Asia, uh, Japan, really uh, defending our values. And that is so important. And like I said, the EU has a very, very important role uh, to play there. Regarding the war that we just addressed <laughs> as an unfortunately main topic these days, has, has this conflict accelerated the energy transition? And, and what, does, what role does finance play in this process? I think nothing good really comes out of war uh, ever. We see this war as a t t total human and humanitarian uh, catastrophe. Uh, thousands of people have died. Uh, millions of people have uh, fled uh, the Ukraine. And um, But the one thing maybe a positive coming out of uh, this war situation is that uh, we have been uh, accompanying and trying to promote this energy transition for a number of years now going into uh, renewables uh, for example but here we have no choice we need to uh, get off our dependence of uh, russian energy uh, so really going into uh, renewables uh, for example is absolutely necessary now and of course finances have uh, have a big role uh, to play uh, in that uh, in that sense but we need uh, really to have private and public partnership also in bringing about this transition to come back to your question yes i think the war has now very much accelerated uh, this green transition and that's a good thing to follow with these considerations about the war and, and its financial consequences, uh, do we also need a stronger financial services sector in Europe? And what do you see as a key priorities for, for this European financial sector in, in the coming years? Yes, I think uh, this is absolutely in, indispensable. And there are a couple of points to that. A strong uh, European uh, financial center is absolutely indispensable. We need a strong internal market on the one hand where there are no barriers uh, within uh, the European uh, internal market because we need to make our economies efficient and, uh, and uh, sustainable. Um, we, uh, we need to address all these issues really together uh, very concretely. 
um, uh, capital markets union is a very important development also to get the money to companies that uh, that need uh, to innovate so also in that sense uh, it's very important uh, one last dimension I would like to uh, to highlight is that we also need to avoid to build some kind of a fortress Europe because also that uh, would not be uh, in our interests. We need to stay competitive on an international level and not cut ourselves off or use uh, excuses uh, such as Brexit or uh, the pandemic or discussions around uh, European sovereignty uh, to make uh, or to build a fortress Europe. I think that would be uh, very much against European interests. So in all of these lines, we need to work together and uh, financial centers, also financial center like Luxembourg will have a very important role to, role to play. Financial centers are complementary. And I think uh, the Luxembourg Financial Center has very much uh, evolved over the last years. It's also one of the main green uh, financial uh, centers. Uh, the financial center is, uh, and Luxembourg is adhering to all European and international standards, uh, which is absolutely indispensable. Uh, when we talk about international uh, taxation, um, the negotiations that are currently taking place on an EC OECD uh, level, very much uh, supported uh, by the Luxembourg government uh, because we need uh, a level playing field uh, also there. But when we talk, for example, about ESG, Luxembourg's uh, share of uh, ESG uh, fund assets uh, in Europe uh, is more than 30%. Luxembourg's uh, share in uh, ESG uh, fund assets in the world is more than 20%. Uh, so also a financial center like Luxembourg really has uh, a forward-looking uh, role uh, to play in sustainable finance. And I think uh, that is uh, a very important part of what we are trying to do in the European context. So from this uh, privileged perspective on uh, green or um, sustainable finance, what would be the opportunities and challenges for the European Union in this uh, shift uh, towards uh, a sustainability a sustainable finance system, a more sustainable one? Well, I think uh, sustainable finance is really uh, the way forward. And uh, as I'm speaking uh, here to, to students, I can only in, encourage what we need in, in, in these forward looking, uh, also in the financial sphere, we need also young people to be interested in this. I think uh, young people have been going to the streets in the past years, be it for Fridays for Future, um, really also believing that we can change, uh, we can change uh, this world. So I hope uh, we need so many new skills uh, also in, in the financial uh, sector. So I would really like, uh, like to encourage also young people to think about this, to think out of the box because this is also what we need uh, for the future skills in the financial sector. I really agree with you that we, we need sustainable leaders for the future. And in this, in this major challenge of fighting the effects of climate, climate change and, and this race against time to start mitigating them, how will the transformation of, of the economy that we are talking about towards a more sustainable model, how will this change? the global political uh, situation of the world? I think there are many aspects uh, to this. We have, uh, we have a really uh, a big shift now with the war, 
uh, on on the in the geopolitical uh, context we have we have a huge we have a huge shift and when we are thinking now of being in the war war context we must not remember that we must not forget uh, that countries like china and india that are also uh, have to be partners in in addressing the challenges such as climate change uh, they see this war situation today uh, very differently. So we need to, I think an, another part aspect of, of coming, um, being in this war situation uh, today is that we are seeing that uh, the impact of war in Europe is having also on developing countries uh, in terms of food shortage. Um, yeah, we were working so hard also in Luxembourg, which is one of the uh, few countries that is investing, uh, contributing with 1% of its GDP into development aid, trying to uh, help these countries uh, develop. Um, and now with the war situation in Europe, we are seeing huge uh, shortage of, of food because of uh, the grains that uh, are coming. Uh, I think 30% of, of grain uh, production in the world is, uh, is in Russia and is in the Ukraine. And this is now lacking in these developing countries, which is having a direct impact on hunger uh, situation in developing countries. So this is another aspect of this uh, situation where we need to find solutions uh, globally and work together uh, in multilateral institutions uh, to find uh, to find solutions. We are seeing a deglobalization, which to some extent started uh, during the pandemic, but mm -hmm. with the war, this is accelerated. We are seeing fragmentation, be it in supply chains, but also in technology. And neither deglobalization nor fragmentation is going to in any way uh, contribute to finding solutions to uh, the challenges that we have in a global uh, context. Thank you very much for these considerations about those uh, very important and you know tough topics. And I'd like to, to finish this talk or this interview with a more personal question, because uh, you are the first woman to become Minister of Finance uh, of Luxembourg. And I, I wish this information was not news, but uh, unfortunately, uh, finding a woman leading her sector um, with a relevant position is uh, in, in certain contexts, it is still exceptional. And after a, a career as long as yours and as successful as yours in, in the file of diplomacy and politics, how do you perceive equality between men and women uh, is progressing? Because this is also an important aspect of you know, a sustainable society with equality and gender equality is a key aspect for many other inequalities such as poverty. Um, what's your perspective? This is a subject that is very, very dear to me. In uh, many of the positions uh, I was in, in in my career, as, as you mentioned, uh, I was the first woman. Um, I, was, uh, I was the first uh, woman representing uh, the European uh, Commission. Uh, in Luxembourg, for example, I was the uh, first woman to lead uh, the royal household uh, of our, our head of uh, state. As you mentioned, I'm the first uh, woman in Luxembourg um, to be Minister uh, of Finance. So I, uh, during all my career, the aspect of gender equality has always been extremely important. 
as a finance minister, uh, when you look at the European uh, Union, there are seven uh, female finance ministers, which is already much more than we had a couple of years, years ago. So seven out of 27 is already not bad. Um, in the past jobs that I have had, I've always tried to also be in contact with young women to encourage them uh, to do, really do and follow the career uh, that, uh, that they want to pursue women sometimes i have the feeling need to be encouraged and supported more uh, than men we have uh, we represent 50 percent of the population but then when you see uh, in decision making uh, positions uh, very often it's still men and i think really in any sector be it in finance in any company the more diversity uh, you have in the decision making uh, areas the better uh, the better decisions uh, you will take um, so also on a global level alas a UN statistic uh, uh, recently I saw that 11% of finance ministers in the world are women so there's lots of room for improvement there are so many competent women everywhere um, we need to support them and I think women also need to work together but we also need the support of men if they want in companies or uh, in any kind of board, if they want good outcomes in, in decision making, um, we need to have diversity and women uh, have so much to contribute to this. Thank you very much for this final advice for our women or well, female students who are preparing themselves to leave the world of tomorrow. Considering your, your experience, I think this is really encouraging for them. And with this final personal reflection and after this very enriching conversation for both myself and the audience, of course, Minister, please let me thank you again for your time and willingness um, and to share this precious knowledge and perspective with our audience. Thank you very much for this very nice discussion. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you still want to learn more, remember, you can register on our platform dobetter.asade.edu That was all for today. Until next time, thank you. Do Better